Guten Tag to everybody out there in podcast land. It's once again, it's your favourite boys. It's Das Acton Kid, Brian Bradshaw, and me, Marvelous Mark Ashworth. Oh my God, it's been a rough couple of days. Uh, I, I was live treating you at this moment in time, Brian. Um, a lot better than what I were at work yesterday. Uh, uh, Mark and I went out on Friday night. Uh, Darwin, the town centre, doesn't exist anymore because we both drank it. <laughs> um, yeah, I was in work at 8 o'clock yesterday morning. I was rough as fuck. I think I had about five hours sleep. Uh, felt like I was carrying a boulder all day. But I've recovered. I'm back on the booze tonight. Oh, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm just drinking what I was drinking the other night. Uh, Brewdog Last uh, Lager. Oh. I knew it said Last Lager. <laughs> it probably is going to be my Last Lager. <laughs> last Lager so your liver can have a bit of a, a bit of a rest from the hardcore pound that it's had over the past few days. Yeah, um, I, I've said this to colleagues at work. Uh, I think it's pretty funny, to be honest with you, so I'm going to repeat it. I say that my liver has banked so much alcohol, it's starting to charge interest. <laughs> Bang on, I like it. I've actually got one of the new uh, Top Rope Brewery ones, the, the Cold Stone Cream Austin one, except this is a Key Lime Pie Pale Ale. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to like this, but... I've got a can of it anyway to give it a go, and if I don't like it, I'll just open my nose and gulp it. Uh, <laughs> like you do with a shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on it depends on the shot, doesn't it? Really, if uh, if it's Jack Daniels or if it's Fireball, you, you save it that shit. But yeah, if it's a if it's a Sambuca. <laughs> Funnily enough, a shot of Fireball is the only thing I've ever gagged at. Oh, don't say that. Oh, yes, poor choice of words. Uh. <laughs> no, for me, like, when it comes to shots, I'll, I'm like a bloodhound. Anytime someone says shots, my ears prick up and I'm there and it doesn't matter what shot it is. Uh, and usually everyone's just pulling their face, like, you know, doing a proper Goldberg face. And uh, me, I, I just never do that. I, I just throw it down my throat, it's fine, don't have to taste it. The fireball burnt my throat, so... Yeah, that's uh, that's mine and Beth's like shot of choice. Um, it's a really good hangover cure, but not cure, but kind of every time we have it, we don't have a hangover the day after. If we don't have it, we do have an hangover. It's really bizarre, like balance, but for some reason it seems to work. I probably should think of that in the future. Yeah, give it a go, man. We've got two nitros for you. Obviously, this is uh, straight after the 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 incredible feedback we've had from our watch along episode, and of course the last episode of the Nitrogen Podcast as well. And also, if you didn't manage to catch in the last episode, we have got a competition running, so you might want to check out our social media channels for that. Obviously, it's the hoodie and the t-shirt, and we're gonna have two separate winners. So all you need to do is you need to just like and share. Um, Try and get the name out there for the Nitrogen Podcast. And we're doing it, obviously, to say thank you to the 100 unique listeners that we now have. So we're going to jump straight into Nitro 26 here, which is uh, going down on February 26, 1996 from Knoxville Civic Coliseum, Knoxville, Tennessee. I- I'd love, I love hearing the word Coliseum. But you know damn well that this isn't going to look like the kind of Coliseum that you've got in your brain. But I just love that word. I love... Uh, just thinking back to like Greek mythology and everything like that, I just love for him to have a wrestling event in an actual Greek like Colosseum or a Roman Colosseum or something like that. That'd be ace. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Uh, I think uh, WWE actually did that in Spain a couple of years ago. All oh, right, okay. it's like it's like a like a bullring Colosseum type thing. Oh yeah, they did. Yes, I'm, I'm actually picturing it now. Yeah, I saw the images on Twitter and Instagram, and 
yeah, it did look pretty damn cool. Wow. Uh, it wasn't anything that was shown on TV, unfortunately, but I can imagine a pay-per-view, a WrestleMania in a, in a, in a venue like that would be... It, it would be completely different and it'd be unique unto itself. Unto itself. And, yeah, if you're listening out there, WWE, fucking do that. Or AEW. Yeah. I think, to be fair, I think it'd work better with AEW. But, having said that, we are British, so we have, like, this kind of affinity with, like, SummerSlam. So, we just have, have a SummerSlam in there, maybe. Yeah. Sun shining in a nice Roman Coliseum, you know. And you could even have, like, a big Royal Rumble in the pits at the bottom where they used to keep all the people. Oh, <laughs> we shouldn't say this on, on a podcast. Somebody's going to steal our ideas. Well, funnily enough, wasn't uh, one of the Royal Rumbles promoted as such? Like, a, like it had a Roman theme. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure the McMahon family dressed up like Romans and everything, you know. Uh, yeah, it didn't look pretty good. <laughs> they, they, they had the, the set and everything with all the pillars. It did look pretty cool. But I'm just thinking, like, if WWE really want to start doing some uh, do-backs on the pe- old pay-per-views, particularly the old WrestleManias, maybe they could redo WrestleMania 9 in a Coliseum and they want the Hulk Hogan there to fucking ruin it. So, <laughs> yeah, there's an idea. Yeah, good shout. <laughs> if they're going to take any idea, take that one, Vinnie Mac. Oh, so the dark matches from this Nitro. Uh, the Blue Bloods, Earl Robert Eaton and Lloyd Stephen Regal defeated Dick Slater in a two-on-one handicap match. Gosh. Um... Dark match number two, Brad Armstrong defeating Disco Inferno. And in the third one, Johnny B. Bad, who's the television champion. Yada, 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 yada. We, everybody knows what we're about to say. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Was he facing Diamond Dallas Page by any chance? How did you know that? I don't know. I just had an inkling. <laughs> uh, we start off Nitro with a rundown for tonight's card and a promotion for Uncensored, the pay-per-view, which is upcoming in March. Um... And that starts us off here. We also get a little tidbit of another heenanism, which we've been enjoying thoroughly over the past few weeks, where he just says, you definitely don't want to leave your rented furniture. <laughs> Gold line. Just insulting the fans at home, and yet we tune in every week to get some more of it. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's what a heel should do. Yeah. Insult the fans. We're there, you know, like... We're there watching at home, we're there in the stands, you know, insult us. It, it just makes sense. Yeah, and we always go home happy. <laughs> we well, just that, we've just been insulted by people, we're, we're alright with it. I guess it depends on the person, Heenan can get away with that. Definitely. Baron Corbin, not so much. First match we've got, we've got Big Bubba facing off against Sting, who's not been on Nitro for maybe a couple of weeks now. Uh, Bischoff gives a comprehensive list of raw results during Big Bubba Rogers' entrance. I had the captions on for this, and it actually said indescript when uh, Bischoff clearly says Isaac Yankum, and that's something the guy who's doing the subtitles at WWE Network should not be getting wrong. No, as if you as if you don't know who Isaac Yankum is. Exactly. He is the mayor of Knotts County now. He has some authority. He could do some fucking damage if he wants to. Did you say Knotts County? Yes, Knotts County. That's who uh, Mayor Kane is. The mayor. Well, I said Mayor Kane. Kane is the mayor of. Wow. Oh, Knotts. I thought you said Knotts as in like Nottingham, Knotts County. No. <laughs> that would have been great if he was like the mayor of Knotts County because Knotts County have an affinity with Juventus and yet... Oh, that would have been ace. Oh, oh, oh. Fucking hell. It's the subtitles of this episode which took place in Knoxville, Tennessee. And Knotts County is in fucking Tennessee. You better watch your back, subtitles guy. Yeah, that's a weird coincidence. 
it's this uh, comprehensive list of results, as I've just said for Raw, is actually it's quite infamous because this is usually the the list that the WWE will use in like the Monday Night Wars documentaries and DVDs and everything like that because it's actually the most coherent one you can hear. So it is used once or twice on the network and in DVDs as well. Uh, Sting's out next and he's he looks as though he might be over his PTSD. He still looks back at the fireworks. He does, yeah. Uh, but I think he's. I think he's. For the most part, he was acting like a prototypical Eric Young. Mm. Yeah, I mean, when he was in Team Canada, not fucking Sanity Young, because obviously he's gotten over it now, but back in the day, early days, TNA, is one thing he used to do. He used to come out to Pyro and shit his pants. Yeah. I'll tell you what, there's one guy I would love to do just a podcast episode with you on, Eric Young. I fucking love him. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I, I I saw when he went, just went into NXT, like right at the beginning. And he had that the faction, as he said, like sanity and all that lot. Um, I saw a little tiny bit of that, and I thought, "Fuck me, that's cool. I'm going to start watching it." And I, I just forgot. Um, but saw a lot of him in TNA, even when he was teaming up with Kevin Nash as like this new sort of like outsiders, outsiders kind of thing, where he was wearing a leather jacket. I thought it was so cool. I thought this is it. This is the moment that Eric Young is going to become a fucking megastar here, and it just never happened for him. And uh, I think it's a shame because I think he's. Character-wise, ability-wise, you know, and he's, he's, he's committed as well. Like, yeah, really he, committed to anything. He's so adaptable. I mean, mm. he can do the comedy and he can do the serious thing and you can take him for what he is each and every single time. He's, he's very much like Cody Rhodes in that man in that way. He's done the exact same. And again, like Cody Rhodes, never really got his due. Obviously, Cody Rhodes is now uh, involved with AEW and he can get his due. But, um, yeah, it's a shame it hasn't really worked out for Eric. I'm hoping yeah. this uh, new in- Impact Wrestling run for him works. Well, hopefully it does. But, yeah, like I said, I'd, I'd love to sit down and have a chat with you about Eric Young on, on a broader scale. So we should probably uh, should have a think about doing that one day. Oh, and one of wrestling's nice guys as well. It's mm. like, that, that's the one thing. You never hear anything bad about him. It just seems to be... Just a normal, down-to-earth guy who appreciates every opportunity that he gets, and that that you've got to respect. Yeah, deserve way more in the WWE, and it's a shame that this pandemic came along because he obviously had to take sort of fall by the wayside, didn't he? Because of this pandemic, otherwise, I think he might have been on to bigger, better things. Yeah, who knows? And speaking of big and better things, have you actually looked at Big Bubba in this? I I can swear he's lost a bit of weight. Because he, he just looks more leaner. He might just put on a bit of muscle, but he does look like he's carrying a little less weight in this match. Mm, I didn't notice, to be honest. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen him, isn't it? So. Sting smartly painted up in orange, yellow and black and uh, looking jacked, heavily tanned uh, and still massively over with the crowd as well. To start off, Bubba backs Sting into the corner but gives him a clean break and offers a handshake to prove he's a nice guy. Not going to go into massive detail here, but these two did do a good job of getting the crowd started up. Um, there's a good back and forth and Sting just really, really over the crowd. A couple of um, heaty sort of heelish tactics from Bubba Rogers as well. I, I keep calling him Bubba Rogers, but I don't know if I should call him Big Bubba. I don't know. Oh, shit. I was thinking more of a, a mean gene thing. You know, a mean gene at SummerSlam. Who put that mic up? Is that 50 followers an hour? 
Fuck it. <laughs> oh, I love Gene. Yeah. There we go. It's back up. Disaster averted. That was Phew. embarrassing. <laughs> Another technical mishap. I tell you what, I know it's the 13th episode of the Nitrogen podcast, but we've had some serious bad luck when it comes to this episode. Yes. <laughs> we couldn't get the... Um, we couldn't get the internet to sync right last night, so we were supposed to be recording this last night. The internet wouldn't sync up, and now Brian's sort of things are just falling. <laughs> I'm just, I'm pretty sure this this episode is not meant to happen. Although, to be fair, the clusterfuck that is the next Nitro's main event, holy shit! There's no fucking wonder they don't want us to record this episode. No, I don't want to record that episode to be honest with you. <laughs> no. But we will. We're not yeah. gonna have much to say about it, but we will. Back into the Bubba versus Sting match, I did notice in the crowd that there was a guy who constantly wears a Bart Simpson head mask uh, in the crowd. There's also an old woman. Now, this triggered something in my head. I'm sure I've seen this old woman before, but I'm not, I don't want to go into too much detail because it might be a spoiler. So I'm going to leave it, but I'm going to say that she's a plant. I want to say that she's a plant. She gets told off by security who... who look like police officers for some unfathomable reason but yeah this old woman I'm, I'm sure I've seen her before I'm sure she gives shit to Hulk Hogan at some point down the line which obviously is when Hulk Hogan's not Hulk Hogan anymore but Hollywood Hogan um, I, I was going to say it's not Judy Bagwell is it? No it's definitely not no Although I liked how she got in big bubbles there so yeah definitely but to the end of the match basically again I'm, I'm not shitting on this match it's pretty good but we're just going to skip to the end because obviously this is kind of a nothing match, really. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It's just there to get Sting over a little bit further. Yeah, um, Sting goes over when Bubba goes to the top rope, but Sting trips him by holding the foot. Sting's on the outside and grabs hold of a uh, grabs hold of the foot to send him crashing down. Uh, and then Sting gets up to for a top rope splash or a crossbody and uh, just gets the pin. So no finish really, not not a finisher or anything like that. Um, a sort of reminder as well that Sting's in the building because up next is going to be Lex Luger versus the Renegade. That should put butts in seats. Yeah, yeah. They, they just before this match, they, um, they ran an advert for WCW magazine, which still had Sherry in it, even though she's been fired from the company. <laughs> Road Warriors are out to talk trash to Luger while declaring Sting as a longtime brother in paint to the Road Warriors. Uh, they work Luger up by saying he's sort of like an upper-class Chicago boy. I think they say, like, is it white collar that they call him? Yeah, something like that. And um, they say that he's not from the streets. Hawk says Luger is like a washing machine and that washing machines are apparently agitating. Like, really? Yeah, what a weird comparison. <laughs> but no, no, actually, actually, no, no. You, I'm pretty sure you've had this at least once in your life. You know, you put uh, washing detergent in the drawer... Of the washer and the washer reverses it and puts you in the torture rack. <laughs> that I, I'm not going to lie, you had me in the first half there because I thought you were going to down a completely different path. I thought you were going to say, you know, when a washing machine breaks and it sounds like Lex Luger selling. Well, I was going to say, you know, my washing machine when it goes on spin cycle, it goes ah ah. <laughs> See that I thought you were going to go for. But yeah, I've, I don't think washing machines have ever been agitating to me, Hawk. Not going to lie. No. Um, he, Lex Luger does have washboard apps, though. I mean, if you want to go if you want to go the laundry route, there you go. He's got a washboard abs. Yeah. Reminds me of a washboard. It doesn't really do much in terms of putting him, uh, you know, just selling the feud or it like that, but fuck it. It makes more bloody sense. It does, yeah. 
I'm sure that yeah. confused a few people, but hey-ho. Well. <laughs> a Chicago street fight is on offer, and Luger accepts without knowing what the fight is actually about. Sting is furious and dismayed at Luger getting hot-headed and agreeing to it without knowing what it is. He quote uh, The quote is, I'm from Chicago, but what is a Chicago street fight? Sting kind of just face palms and walks off. And this will go down at Uncensored, the pay-per-view that apparently has no rules. See, right. This seems to be a common thread with WWE as well. Like they'll have a Chicago, uh, sorry, um, town or a city, whatever, street fight. But they're yeah. always the fucking same. It's like, oh yeah, we'll have a New York street fight. Yeah, is anybody running each other in a yellow cab? No, <laughs> you know, it, it it's just it's just a noun, really. There's yeah. nothing more to it. It's just a noun. It's like I, I you know, I, I'd hope that that match involves like pizza boxes, you know, like Chicago Town pizza boxes, should I say? You know, there you go, sell the city a little bit, but no, nah, I don't think it's going to be like that. No, I don't think it is either. But we will find out at Uncensored, and um, all I can say is that after the last shit show that was um, Super Bowl Six, and people rope breaking in hardcore matches that are false count anyway matches oh uh, god yeah yeah <laughs> all that WCW can do here is fuck it up even more really oh and shout out to Chicago Town Pizzas please sponsor us I like the <laughs> oh man if not sponsor endorse us you know free pizza I'm happy with that next out to the ring is Renegade who actually is a tie who does look like a pizza I think he's just wearing like orange with Red polka dots or some shit like that. I don't fucking know. I don't really fucking care to be honest. Renegade, he's not that good. Um, Dia, he runs Dia out. Like, he, he runs out like Warrior a little bit, doesn't he? Like, so yeah. we are ripping off Warrior here, just minus the face. Yeah, pain. exactly. Hence why I called him Diet Warrior. He doesn't have any music until he actually gets into the ring, and then it's a rejuvenated version of Sting's previous theme, like in the nineteen nineties. Oh, I remember that from the WWE game. Oh, is it in the WWE game? In a WWE game, yeah, they don't have the man called Sting. They just have dun 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 like something like that anyway. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah, it's a bit like Ultimate Warriors theme. Yeah, a little bit. I'm not gonna go through this match between these two because neither are that good. Um I heard the word the term solar plexus enough that I think that we should just continue this as a drinking game, seriously. We'll just be absolutely hammered by the end of the fucking night because they use that term so much in the commentary. Um, I did know that Lex did a pretty good job of actually putting Renegade over when it came to selling. Um, but other than that, the two of them really don't put on like a, a technical masterclass. It's a you, really you weird mismatch. <laughs> really weird mismatch. Lex needs a lot of help in the ring, so putting him in the ring with somebody who needs even more help than Lex was just not a good idea. No. They certainly look the part, as you said, washboard abs, but they just can't perform the part. Fans are mostly uninterested. There's the odd glimmer where the fans get interested a little bit. It's uh, like watching a washing machine and a drying machine go out at, <laughs> go at it, you know? There you go. That's I see where Hawk's coming from now. <laughs> he foreshadowed it because he'd not even seen the match yet <laughs> finish comes as Luger's eggs are cooked that's, that's what the commentary <laughs> said Luger's eggs are cooked Renegade goes up top but Jimmy Hart runs out and pushes him off onto the floor um, Luger racks Renegade while Renegade is completely out comatose Hart runs around the ring like a fucking ADHD child 
this seems to be his thing now. Um, as they celebrate, Sting comes out uh, to confront Lex on obviously the cheating aspect of it. Sting goes absolutely fucking mental on Lex Luger, like to the point where he's holding the ropes and trapping Lex in so that he's got to listen to him. Whereas Lex is like, I don't know what you're on about. I didn't ask him to come down here and blah, 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 blah. Sting says it's the wrong thing to do and asks why Jimmy Hart interfered when it was meant to be Sting or Jimmy as Luger's focus. So apparently they've already had this conversation that Gene was asking about weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago. The ultimatum was led down. And Lex apparently chose Sting, but Jimmy Hart's still coming into the fold. Hmm. At least Sting is actually calling him out for it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, he's standing I mean, like, up to him now. That's a good thing. I mean, like, proper style, not just fucking questioning him and then just being happy with whatever answer fucking Wooger uh, gives him. Now he's, like, proper in his face. And I was hoping they went uh, they would go at it, but unfortunately not. No, not quite there yet, but it is brewing. It, it is brewing. brewing. Uh, uh, to be fair, I think it's brewing quite nicely now as well. It was really good yes. to see Sting come down with some intensity and really fucking get in his face because it, it's been a frustration of yours and mine over the past, like, however many fucking months, really. Maybe a couple of months this has been going on now. So, yeah, well, it's intriguing to see where that will go, but obviously they are still the tag team champions as well, so there is that to add to the equation. Hmm. Next up, we're going to see Harlem Heat versus the Road Warriors. Booker, who gets the early advantage, but Hawk takes over with a clothesline and a dropkick. Booker, briefly, outside, comes back in, but Hawk is back on the offensive. Brain says, the Warriors are that bad, and not bad as in wrestling, they're that bad like as a mentality, uh, that they walk up and down the streets of Chicago and throw people into bars. <laughs> <laughs> I had a giggle at that yeah, one. That was another, pretty good. Another tickle. And it's always the bar offence as well, that he, you know, bar references that he's making. Yeah. And the thing is, him and Bischoff then have like a, an unscripted conversation about bars in Chicago, don't they? Um, yes. I didn't actually monitor the rest of it. I can't remember what they, what they said it were called. Um, but Bischoff basically said, not that I'd go in there, I just know people that do. And he and sort of like, yeah, all right then, pal. Stevie Ray and Animal are in the ring now. There's more strikes. A dangerous-looking powerbomb from Ray that looked like Hawk would land badly, but manages to make it look safe. Booker in with an axe kick. Stevie in with strikes and a front-face clock. So these are really quick tags, which is what a, a fucking tag team should be doing, really, to be fair. It makes yeah, it more absolutely. believable, especially heel tag teams. Um, Booker gets into a slanging match with the old woman at ringside again. <laughs> who has already been told off by the security and police before being tagged in to deliver a big wheel kick to Hawk. It was Booker that was tagged in, not the old woman. The commentators say the winner of this will then be the number one contender to the tag titles with Lex and Sting. Animal finally gets a hot tag after a few minutes and takes out both of Harlem Heat to a big cheer from the crowd, but the advantage doesn't last long. Animal goes to the outside and the referee gets tangled up with him and Stevie while Booker gets the Harlem hangover off, but without a referee to make the count, it gives Animal the chance to run around and flatten Booker, then placing Hawk on top for an illegal pin because Animal was the legal man after the last yeah, time. Yeah, I noticed it. Warriors win it. Somehow, and Nick Patrick was the referee. Not saying anything more. Mm, <laughs> curiouser and curiouser. Indeed. I wrote down almost nothing for this match. I was incredibly bored by most of it. Yeah. And it's un it's unfortunate as well because these two tag teams are fucking decent tag teams. Uh, but yeah, oh, it just, absolutely. 
yeah, it's it's one of them you just kind of, kind of zoned out of a little bit because I'm not sure if there is even even some sort of dynamic that these guys are going to get into a feud or a long storyline. It was just literally there's a match there for Matchy's sake. Um, not much there. Decent decent showing in the ring from both teams. Uh, decent finish. Illegal pin. Bad refereeing. That's all I've got to say, really. Yeah. And Hopefully, then Hopefully, that pin comes up. Something mm. tells me it's not. No. Hmm. And then into the main event here, which is going to be Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Kevin Sullivan, who are accompanied to the ring by Woman and Elizabeth, versus Hulk Hogan, Matt Shaw, and Booty Beefcake. It's really hard to get motivated for this when there's two that you like on one team and one on the other, with the rest just being fodder. Yeah. We start with Booty and Arn with some shots, but they break off after a few to allow cameras to cut to Kimberly Page, who's coming down with some flowers dressed all and, in white. And see, if I wasn't distracted enough, Kimberly Page comes out. That, now, that... I, I've spoken to you, uh, I actually uh, told you this in the bar the other night. Yeah, we went into great detail about this. Oh, it's, <laughs> seriously, every time she comes out, I turn into a cartoon dog. <laughs> no, I fucking float up in the air, my leg, my feet flutter, my eyes pop out, and I'm like, Ooga! <laughs> you know, I, I just can't help myself. Yeah, we, we had a, a long discussion about Kimberly Page. <laughs> yes. Uh, Uncomf- uncomfortably long for any woman in earshot, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think my mum was in the bar at the time as well, like... Oh, I think God. she were, yeah, and then we were describing... We were sort of describing the fact that she got her boob out on 40-year-old Virgin as well to Beth. Oh, yeah, yeah. as well. Good times, man. See, everybody needs to come out and have a drink with us. Even when we're not talking wrestling, we're talking wrestling. Yeah. Everything is wrestling. Hashtag everything is wrestling. Every- I like that. Everything is wrestling. Keep it. Oh, come on. If you follow me on Twitter, you should know that I've used that quite a few times. <laughs> I follow you, but I tell you, me, me, me and Twitter, we just sort of, I don't know. We have a love-hate relationship. Mm. It's a high knee from uh, Booty sends Arn down poorly, really. Um, commentary... High knee from Booty. That does not sound right. No. <laughs> commentary continue to elaborate on Booty being the spy for Hogan all along when he was the Zodiac. I've got to admit this surprised me a little bit because I did not see Beefcake as Zodiac. I know the, the paint's on there and I think he coloured his hair and stuff like that, but I actually did not see this coming. The thing is, I, I don't care enough. So, <laughs> exactly. That's why you didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, we get... It's like D- it's like uh, Devon being announced as the leader of the Aces and Eights. Oh. Yeah. Which he ended up uh, going back on, and it turns out we were Bully Ray. But yeah. Yeah. You the... did that at your bigger show as well. Your bigger show of the year, you did that. Mm. The thing is, I like that Aces and Eight storyline as well, uh, and I've just yeah. listened to an eighty-three weeks podcast where they start to, they they actually talk about the Aces and Eights, and they were kind of comparing it to like the New Blood Millionaires Club thing in WCW. Oh, they're not. So they're not. Uh, they're not comparing it to Retribution in WWE, then, are they? I would not know who Retribution are, to be perfectly honest. Oh, fucking hell! I wish I didn't know. <laughs> that, uh, you've got to. You've got to tell me now. <laughs> it, right, it's a very. It's a relatively new thing. It's people dressed in all black with hoodies and masks on, uh, causing havoc. Uh, one of them actually brought out a chainsaw and cut the ropes with it. You know, they're basically just terrifying the roster. That's, that's it. That's all it's to them. And it's basically most of what Aces and Apes were doing. 
you know, you're just waiting for you the re- for the reveals, and that's it. Once the reveals are there and done, it's you know you've got all you got a lot to fight for to to salvage it. Let's just say. And that's on TV now. Yes. Whatever floats the boat, but I won't be fucking watching. I wouldn't recommend you. We get a sleeper on Arn. Uh, Sullivan gets in and he gets a sleeper too. Uh, Fleur gets in, but he puts the brakes on straight away. This is this is while Booty's still in the ring, by the way. Tags aren't being made here and Fleur will now undertake the legal man role. So basically what's happened is that Arn was the legal man, but in kind of heelish fashion, you notice that nobody's tagged in, nobody's tagged out, but Fleur's just going to stay in the ring anyway. Nick Patrick probably refereed this match because you know, you know what he's like for that. Mm-hmm. As was detailed in the last match. Honestly, it, at this point, it's hard to tell the difference between Nick Patrick and Randy Johnson. Is that his name? You have a referee with a fucking mullet and tash? He, oh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Forgive um, me. I, I'm not entirely clued up on, on the uh, names of the referees. <laughs> I think that's the name I've heard. But they use them two referees more than any other. I think they're the only two referees they use at the moment. Yeah, I think, to be fair, I think it's the only two that are actually employed. Um, I could be wrong yeah, again. That, I don't know. That's possible. Yeah, it's only an hour show. You don't need many referees, do you? No. But if they're this inconsistent, maybe you do need more referees. Mm. But it's possible Nick Patrick has fucked up two matches in one night. In a 45-minute show. <laughs> it's what we know Nick Patrick for doing, definitely. So Fleur's, Fleur's on the floor here and Booty like jumps on top of him and starts messing his hair up and then they're both very standoffish as they get back up. Uh, there's a test of strength which doesn't last long and Booty tags in the Macho Man. Macho ends up going straight into the wrong corner and we all know what's going to happen in the wrong corner. You're just going to get the shit beat out of you. But Macho doesn't actually manage to turn around and give every single one of them, Arn, Booty and Ric Flair, all a shot in the gob each and gets out of it. There's a cheap shot from Fleur, who then uh, chops Macho in the corner. Reversal from the whip sends Fleur over with a back body drop on the way back out. Fleur up top is cut off by Macho Man, who slams him down again. Uh, Macho with a top rope axe handle, but Fleur gets a right hand to the breadbasket. And Rick flexes, but Macho's already tagged out behind him to tag Hogan in, who uses the... um, uses the Sting Woo instead of the Ric Flair Woo by putting the hands up uh, to startle Flair as he's turning round. Flair chops in the corner again, uh, but this time it turns. he turns his back and struts away again, and that gives Hogan the advantage with clotheslines. That kind of, it kind of annoyed me a little bit. It's like, he's been cocky, which I get from Flair, but the fresh man, you know not to turn your fucking back on him because you've only done like two chops to him, and that's not going to keep Hulk Hogan in the fucking corner. So, no. kind of took me out of it a little bit. Um, Nobody puts Baby Hogan in the corner. We all no. know that. <laughs> the dirtiest player in the game, dancing. So, we're back into the corner oh, no, again, and just... it's another back body drop to Fleur. Fleur up and over uh, when he was whipped into the corner, but Hogan's clothes lined him out. Both Arn and Sullivan are in the ring then, but are quickly dispatched by Hogan. Uh, the referee gains control again, and we get Hogan tagging out to the big bag booty man, who goes in and gives out a few right hands. Did you hear what Detective Eric Bischoff said here? <laughs> Detective Eric Bischoff. <laughs> yes, 
Detective Eric Bischoff. Booty Man doesn't get his name from kicking booty, but from shaking his. <laughs> well done. I didn't that hear that. Quite, <laughs> yes, that is very el- elementary, my dear Eric. <laughs> Good lord, that's fucking bad commentary in it. Oh my god. Very. Oh man. Um. So Macho has got off the apron and he's now pointing at woman. Uh, Booty and Flair are back in the ring, but Macho tags in uh, straight away into the See, ropes. Now I want. Now you said Booty and Flair, and now I want Booty, the Booty Man, and Rick Flair to tag up, so we get the tag team Booty Flair. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, why? <laughs> Rick Flair doesn't need any more reason to be showing his ass off. We've seen it like three times in the past four weeks. It's just not necessary. Oh dear. I can't believe I put that thought out into the world. Yeah, I, I, I'm not okay with it. Uh, <laughs> into the ropes, Macho goes, uh, but both women, women, sorry, both, well, yeah, I'm right. Both women, woman and Elizabeth, grab a leg each, but then Macho grabs them both by the hair to a huge pop from the crowd. This crowd's all about domestic abuse. Um, yes. <laughs> it allows Sullivan to give uh, to get a cheap shot in who is now tagged in. Strikes and throws. He strikes Macho and then throws Savage into the corner for Orn to tag in as well. Orn sends Macho out of the ring for Flair to take advantage while Orn antagonises Hogan and Booty with the referee distracted. Sullivan's in again as Macho is sent back in dazed. Uh, quick tacks between Sullivan and Orn to give Macho a constant beatdown. Macho attempts to come back but Orn locks him down and tags Sullivan in again in their own corner. Macho's sent into the ropes, gets a shoulder off onto Sullivan, who sells really fucking poorly. Really? Did he sell poorly? Of course he fucking did. It's mm-hmm. Kevin Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Macho finally gets a tag out to Booty again, who clears house with the heel three, uh, all with right hands. Booty tags Hogan in, and it wasn't a hot tag or anything, it was just a fucking random tag. It just seemed like, okay, right, we, we all know Hogan's going to finish this one then. Um, he gives all three the big boot, with Booty whipping them all into the opposite corner. There's a leg drop Booty on... whipping. Yeah. <laughs> now that, that should be his finish. There's a leg drop on Arn Anderson and Hogan gets the win to a dismayed Heenan on commentary. Flair with a harsh-looking kick to the back of Hogan sends him clattering into the corner where Liz is swiftly up to clumsily handcuff Hogan to the corner turnbuckle. Hogan is putting his hands together for Liz as we can see on the camera and the camera is focused on the pair of them doing it for fuck's sake. Flair whips Hogan mm. in the corner with some seriously hot shots from the belt. Uh, I do wonder if Hogan and Flair had a bit of a disagreement at the end of this match because, like I said, the boot to the back really fucking shot Hogan into the into the corner, but then them whips were just really fucking, crazily fucking sore. Um, we close the show with Hogan now awake and Macho trying to uncuff him from the turnbuckle. Oh, st- yeah. Do you do you want um, to summarise this or shall I? Dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. A steaming pile of dog shit I that com- has been left in the pavement and you accidentally stand on it. And then you have to spend almost 15 fucking minutes trying to scrape it off. Yeah. 
this wasn't oh, good, guys. Terrible. This terrible. we cannot recommend this. We can't recommend this episode. To be fair, the one shining light was probably Bubba versus Sting, but the rest of it, seriously, I watched it just before meeting Brian in the pub, and then Brian wonders why I drank so much. Uh, <laughs> the rating for this went down as a three point two to Rose three point one. What would you say your rating would be, Brian? Uh, one. One. <laughs> said exuberantly <laughs> I think you're being generous I've got to be honest yeah. I think I think you're being generous um, I, did, I didn't even put a rating because it wasn't fucking worthy of a rating <laughs> this is what Meltzer and Conrad Thompson would call a dud um, yeah unfortunately a double dud in the Tokyo Dome <laughs> it's unfortunate because Heenan did have a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a, a gem at the beginning, and Sting and Bubba did did a fairly decent job at the beginning as well. But the rest of the show just really let it down. Um, and on the opposite side of the wrestling spectrum, up there in the northeast, Jake Roberts defeated Isaac Yankum DDS. Diesel defeated Bob Holly. Ahmed Johnson defeated Shinobi. Uh, Yokozuna defeated Owen Hart and Davy Boy Smith, who were accompanied by Jim Cornette via disqualification in a handicap match um, of course again like I said Bischoff already gave these results away during uh, Bubba Rogers' entrance when he was coming out to face Sting the one note I've got at the end for what happened this week was that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash gave their notice of their intention to leave the WWF and to hop over to World Championship Wrestling. So I take it, that's 90 days. Can we move on? Because I've already done a Bob Seger here. I've turned the page. You know, I turned it halfway through that fucking clusterfuck of a main event. Oh, well, we've got another clusterfuck of a main event to come. Uh, But I will will just... Oh, shit, yes, we do, don't we? I will just say you were right on the money when you said last week that isn't this the time when Hall is about to jump over. Well, you were right on the money when it came to him actually handing the notice in, so you weren't, you know, you weren't far off. You knew something was going to happen. Uh, and yeah, you were absolutely, bo- well, not absolutely bob on, but you were almost there. Well, put it this way, there is a tag match in this upcoming episode which actually stopped me from handing in my notice on this podcast. Oh, this, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm looking forward so, to getting to it. In fact, I want to just skip right to it, but we won't. Uh, I, I wish we could, but we've got the most important thing here. We've got the Giant versus Jim Duggan. <laughs> we do. So Nitro number 27 goes down on March 11th, 1996 in Winston-Salem in North Carolina. Horseman country. The guys are basically just Woo! sucking up to Hogan at the beginning of the show, the commentary desk, like he's the only thing on TV right now. Really, come on. Apart from Heenan, obviously. So straight into Jim Duggan versus the Giant. Uh, Duggan goes straight for the Giant in the corner with shots to the back. There's a corner mount. Oh, did you hear what Mongo said about Jimmy Hart? Uh, I feel like I did, but I can't. I, I didn't know anything down. Yeah, he said Jimmy is a munchkin near to the Giant. A munchkin, okay. Yes, and I, I, I was so distracted that I, I ended up recasting the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, it's pretty simple. Nash is uh, Kevin Nash is a wizard because of Oz, yeah. obviously. Yeah. You know, Giant is a cowardly lion. You know <laughs> that big hair. You know, it's got it. And Mongo and Pepe are obviously Dor- Dorothy and Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I think the only person that's not going to be offended by any of that is Pepe. <laughs> Bit late. It's probably long gone now. Yeah, he is. That's depressing to think about about itself. But mm. yeah. Um, it, oh, there's a match going on. Yeah, shit. Let's go back to yeah, it. Yeah, come on. There is. Um, a coin amount. But Giant Burr hugs him and squeezes the life out of him. Uh, the outside is the same after Duggan tries to get uh, a comeback going. We notice that there's a sign in the crowd for Brian Pillman's hotline. There's a few clubbing bores from the Giant as Bischoff notices that Pillman is actually in the audience and leaves the desk to take care of the problem. Pillman... Was he? Yeah. Because I couldn't fucking see him. Did you not see him? No, I could not see him at all. Pillman makes an attempt to jump the guardrail... I completely missed it. And go after Bischoff, maybe, who is shouting shit at Pillman. Maybe it's probably because I hit the snooze button in this fucking match. Oh well, that, I think that's. I think that was the point of this match. Was it was wasn't so much the giant and Jim Duggan, but something's happening in the crowd. So you're not going to have Sting versus fucking Hulk Hogan, are you? You're not going to have Ric Flair versus fucking um, I don't know, fucking even the Booty Man at this point. Um, that made se- That would make sense, but put something that would actually keep my eyes on the TV, you know? Well, I mean, the Giant, you know, fair enough. It, 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 you could put him against, you know, some uh, other people on the roster, let's say. You know, you could you could put him up against fucking Randy Savage, my eyes would be on TV, or, you know, but obviously, probably a little bit too distracted with Randy Savage. Oh, no, DDP, put him in the match with DDP. My eyes would be on the TV for that, you know? Not against fucking Jim Duggan. Hmm. I mean, nothing against Jim Duggan, but he brings very little to the ring. Yeah, I mean, the crowd do get over for him, to be fair. Um, yeah, but it's the whole, it's the whole racist USA fucking chance thing in it. So. Yeah, and you know, nostalgia for fucking the eighties as well. Yeah. Which WCW really like? <laughs> uh, you think? <laughs> so yeah, I thought it sounds like Brian might have to go back and uh, watch what doesn't happen in this match. Um, one thing I did note as well was that they always they blur out the the hotline number, don't they? But the sign in the crowd. Yeah, oh, it's, oh, oh, god, yeah. The sign in the crowd is actually Brian Pillman's hotline, and they don't blur it out. So. Well, I mean, when they give out the hotline number, the fucking subtitles still come up with it anyway. Yeah. So you know, whatever. And they're still Fuck saying it. it in the background. Um. <sighs> anyway, back back to uh, Bischoff and Pillman. So Bischoff is shouting shit at Pillman, and security hold on to him whilst he's trying to make his jump over the guardrail to get hold of Bischoff. Um, but then they, they drag him all the way back and escort him out of the arena, just as Duggan is making a comeback. Duggan, did look, I, I thought he looked fairly good, but having said that, all, all I've ever seen from Duggan is, is sort of later on, 99, 2000, really. I never really I'm not going to say I wasn't really a fan of him, but he, he was much less able when I was watching Duggan in WCW. Um so he looked all right against the giant here. To be fair, he he, he does this like jumping headbutt a couple of times to get out of a another bear rug. I think it is. There's a big splash attempt by the giant in the corner, which misses, and I'm pretty sure the ring moved like a, a foot at least. Um, a big clothesline out of the ring by Duggan takes the wind out of Duggan himself, while the giant staggers on the outside, still on his feet. G- uh, giant comes back in and gets more offense in, and it, there's another bear hug. And Duggan gets some shot into the side, into the rib, uh, into the rib cage. But Giant sends him right out of the ring again. Duggan is now pulling tape up from the mats at the side of the ring, while the Giant just lifts the referee up like a child and puts him and places him in the other corner of the ring. 
Duggan tapes his fist up. This didn't make any sense to me. He tapes his fist up. It's only tape, right? It's just tape. It's just fucking duct tape. Yeah. He tapes his fist up and gives Giant three right hands like there's some sort of fucking weapon in it, and there isn't. Giant falls slowly like a tree, and the fans did pop fucking pretty big for it, and I think that's all down to Giant, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Jimmy Hart is up and holds a loose bit of the tape to distract Duggan as Giant gets back up. Duggan headbutts Hart, but that's given Giant the advantage, and Duggan just goes straight into a massive choke slam and a pinfall win for the Giant. Bullshit. <laughs> why does why does the giant need help from the fucking munchkin Jimmy Hart? He's seven foot fucking three and five hundred pounds is what he's been sold as. Mm. He doesn't need help from this fucking little chuck uh, munchkin chipmunk weasel fucking guy. He doesn't need help from him. That 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 pissed me off more than the match did. Yeah, it's like you you basically just. You're ruining him by doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're diminishing the fact that he's supposed to be a big, bad fucking giant. He's supposed to be like a fucking monster, isn't he? And you, you, you're making sure that a midget is is helping him out. Um, the tape thing, that pissed it me was, off. But then, like you it said, was, it just got worse. It was so that tape thing was so uh, its sole purpose was for Jimmy to grab hold of it. Yeah. That was it. I mean, they, they, they obviously didn't put any more thought into it than that. I mean, if Jim Duggan was a... Um, Who's the a, agent a, a for this shit? That's the question I've got to ask. I don't know. But if, if Jim Duggan was a bare-knuckle boxer in a, you know, in a f- former career, that would make sense, you know, taping up the wrist and just doing bare-knuckle boxing. And, you know, but even then, aren't closed fists illegal? Yeah. It would make no fucking... Yeah, it... None of that made sense to me. No, none of it at all. And I'm, I'm giving it way too many compliments trying to. Yep. Um, whoever's the agent in it needs to hang their head in fucking shame because this was atrocious. Whoever came up with the idea of, oh, wrap his fucking fists in tape, just fuck off. Out of WCW. As you were saying, like, it's a very 80s thing to do. That is an 80s thing to do. Like, fucking come on. Anyway, 80s NWA as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I'm and I'm not saying that as a compliment because 80s NWA is well revered and all that. But they used to do hokey silly shit like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, in midst of all the greatness, they used to do little things like that. But they could also get away with it with shitty 80s grainy video quality. You can't get away with that, even with the subbar subbar uh, subpar. Fucking hell. Easy for me to say. Subpar production of WCW in nineteen ninety six. You still can't get away with that. In two thousand and twenty, with four K TV and social media, that would be unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, we, and I think we are yeah, quite blessed on. about the fact that wrestling has has gone through um, its point of being more realistic than this hokey, corky bullshit. So this is even harder to watch now than it would have been in 1996 simply because we've watched way better stuff. How is it that a wrestling dinosaur in 2020 is more believable than that? <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> and that is nothing against Luchasaurus. I fucking love that guy. Yeah, yeah. But it, it it's just, that goes to show you how bad this is. Mm. Literally, it's unbelievable than a wrestling dinosaur. 
Yeah. Oh, God. We're gonna we're WCW, gonna you're a fucking cruel mistress at times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking you tonight, Brian. Fucking hell, you've got it. <laughs> you've got it. It's got his mojo. Well, they presented us a lot of shit. What can I help? Oh, a nice match coming up. Rod Warriors versus Steiner Brothers. Can we talk about this, please? Well, we please. can. We can. Please. Um, Finally. We get to the entranceway and a curtain is up and behind it we are hearing the revving of engines and it's the Steiner Brothers and they're um, behind it on big, massive Harley Davidsons and they're saying that it actually should have been the Nasty Boys. So this is a vast improvement on what it could have been. Um, yeah, well, seriously, the fucking the dark ages of WWE, uh, fucking left a long, uh, a long smelling turd in my brain because I seriously heard the bikes and thought, oh fuck, it's a DOA in it, it's a fucking Harris twins. <laughs> nope, thank God it weren't. It's a fucking Steiner brothers. It's the Steiner brothers, and I'm, I'm oh, safe to say for this. that we are here for it. Oh yes, and I, and I'll be honest with you, I've seen very little of the Steiners together. I really have. Yeah. And before this, I'm like, oh, they're here, finally. After this match, I was like, fuck yes, Steiner Brothers are here. Finally, <laughs> thank you. You know, I yeah. hear, you know, you hear Steiner, you, you immediately think of Scott Steiner. It's like, oh, some good promos coming from him, and there's a fucking good promo from him tonight. But, you know, it, it was a surprise, a nice surprise. It was like... It was like cutting into some birthday cake, birthday cake, and realizing it's three layers of chocolate. Oh, yeah. I'm it was. This. this is. I mean, without even saying anything, this is the match that if anybody needs to watch any matches from these two nitros that we're covering currently, this is it. That's that's literally Absolutely. it. And I apologize if if this uh, recap of this match is is quite long winded. But the fact of the matter is, I fucking liked it that much. I detailed everything. I do not blame you. So I'm going to try and smash through this as fucking quickly as possible so that I don't bore people. Scott and Hawk start off in the ring initially and uh, Hawk goes over with a hip toss and a few chops, but then there's a beautiful rolling thunder suplex that gives Scott the advantage. Uh, an ad- abdominal stretch into a pump handle slam sends Hawk down. We get into the corner and Ooh. Steiner sits him on the top, but Hawk gets a headbutt off and Steiner falls to the mat in dramatic fashion. A top rope clothesline from Hawk. Uh, we get shot off into the ropes, and there's a big boot quick style from Hawk as well. Uh, an inverted reverse stunner from Hawk again after he whipped him off again in the ropes. He shoots Scott off a third time, but this time Steiner gets off a beautiful butterfly suplex before tagging Rick Steiner in. Animal also tags in uh, as Hawk goes out. Animal kicks Rick Steiner. Whips Rick into the ropes and gives him a power slam. Uh, as Rick's getting back up, he gives him a drop kick, which follows. And how, how did you rate that drop kick from? Oh, I rated it as an eight because I was so fucking surprised. It, yeah, <laughs> it was a good drop kick. It was, and it, a it, very good drop kick. But it, it gets extra points because it's it's animal. Come on, it's it's animal. We don't expect him to pull off and move like that. And uh, yeah, it was a very good drop kick. Yeah, he's a big guy and he, he uh, it flowed really well as well as Rick was getting back up. Yes. Um, we get a scoop slam on Rick Steiner as well and a big elbow from Animal. Uh, Rick's shot back into the ropes, but Rick fires back with a clothesline that rocks Animal and then there's a second clothesline which sends him straight to the mat. Uh, into the corner, we get a belly-to-belly off the second rope. There's a tag oh, into Scott. Beautiful. It was, it really was. Seriously, guys, this was fucking ace. Um there's a tag into Scott who delivers a beautiful belly-to-belly overhead release 
suplex. Oh god, yes. <laughs> Seriously, um, we're go- we're gonna have to. If we haven't rated this podcast eighteen, we're gonna have to rate it eighteen because honestly, uh, it's defying it's defying logic. This match has proven that men can have multiple orgasms, <laughs> and I'm having them throughout the recap of this. Yeah, it's such a good tag team match. We're, we're gonna we're gonna call this wrestling porn. That is uh, what this yes. is. Um, yeah, fucking hell. You think Sasha Gray's got shit going on? Absolutely fucking not. These guys are just. Yeah, this is this is this is wrestling's finest. Like we, we can't even fucking joke about it. Literally, the next bit that I've written is Bischoff keeps saying "man alive," but to be fair, this deserves those sorts of exclamations. Welcome to Nitrogen Uncensored. Woo 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 woo. I just did the old raw thing. Never mind, but okay. We get a running slam from Scott into the corner, which puts Animal in the Tree of War. Scott jumps to the outside of the ring and yanks back on the head of Animal to stretch the back. He tags into Rick, who quickly rakes the eyes and pulls the face as Heenan asks why Rick Steiner has his earmuffs on. (laughs) Yeah, Um, this was a topic of discussion throughout this match. Yeah, it was, yeah. Animal shot into the corner but manages to get a big boot to the inrushing Rick Steiner. Uh, Scott is tagged in as Animal is still feeling the punishment from the previous bout with Scott. Scott is making Animal humble with a camel clutch, but Hawk is in with a boot to the side of Scott's head, breaking the hold. Uh, Rick's back in and puts on another camel clutch that's sort of transformed into a face hold of some sort. Uh, Animal back in the Steiner's territory again, and there's a tag into Scott. There's a drop kick from Steiner, which mostly misses, but Animal still sells for a two count in the pinfall. Uh, Again, impressive from Scott. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, it was worth me. It was seven, even though it it didn't connect properly. Mm. Yeah, it was weird because animal animal sort of fucking dodged out of the way of it, didn't he? But Scott almost kind of just gets like one boot into the cheek of animal. Yeah. Um. So he does sell and he does go down and and I mean it looked good. It just would have looked better if it was like full on. But very surprising to see uh the Rod Warriors sell. Well, and they're spending most of this match working from beneath. They it's, are. It's in. It's really good stuff. Um, Can't emphasise that enough. We tag Rick in, and he gets a crossface whilst he's actually got Animal in the ropes. Rick tags out again, and there's a big double clothesline. So Scott on Animal and Animal on Scott, uh, and that allows both competitors, after a few seconds, to tag out and get Hawk in with a full head of steam. And there's clotheslines all and, and right hands all around Rick and Scott Steiner. Scott clotheslined out of the ring by Hawk. There's a big shoulder tackle and then a power slam. Uh, this is how you do a hot tag. Yeah. Uh, into the corner, Animal is back up and Hawk whips whips him off to clothesline Rick Steiner. Uh, Scott is dazily getting back onto the apron as Hawk goes up to the top rope. Rick's on Animal's shoulders and gets a clothesline from Hawk with an electric chair drop from Hawk at the same time. The Doomsday Device, baby. Oh, is that... See, I, I I fucking detailed it and I didn't know the fucking name of it. Yes. Yeah, so... Doomsday Device on Rick Steiner with Hawk dropping the clothesline and Animal dropping the electric tray. Um, the referee counts, but Scott is in to break up the pinfall. Scott and Animal go to the outside. 
Rick gets a belly to back on Hawk. Scott on the top rope teases giving Hawk the same treatment Rick's just got, but Hawk gets the advantage as Animal distracts Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner dispatches Animal again, but Hawk side suplex Rick. Scott off the top with an axe handle to Hawk. Animal off the top with a clothesline to Scott. The referee counts, but all slowly get up. Scott shoots Hawk off and delivers a gorgeous Frankensteiner on the TV side of the fucking... Uh, oh, God. It looks so fucking gnarly as well. Yeah, it looked gnarly, but looked fucking clean as fuck as well. I don't, I, I just don't know how that happens. Uh, Hawk fucking sold it like a fucking pro. Yeah. He really did. He just made it look more brutal than what it was. Rick I'm actually holding my neck as I'm talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Rick and Hawk who are actually in the corner. It actually happened to Animal, but it doesn't matter. Um, Rick and Hawk oh, were, okay, were in the corner sort of fighting, but Rick just kind of leaves him alone, <laughs> which gives Hawk the uh, Hawk the chance to break up the pin attempt from the Frankensteiner. Uh, Rick is back battering Hawk in the corner, and the Steiners attempt the electric chair bulldog. Uh, they get it off, but as Rick's getting back up, he is nailed by Animal, who's used part of the spikes that were left at ringside, and that fucking completely eradicates Rick out of this fucking match. Hawk covers, and it's a win for the Road Warriors, and what a match it was. I don't know who the fucking legal men were, and I don't fucking care. Um, no. Let Nick Patrick fucking referee this match, which I think he did. Um, it was fucking fabulous, and my detail has completely butchered it, but seriously, it was fucking ace. Yes, the best tag match so far. And I know that's saying a lot, considering that there hasn't really been a, a, a great deal of good tag team matches on Nitro, but I'm including the pay-per-views here. Phenomenal stuff. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, you're not going to see any complaints from me whatsoever uh, when it pertains to this match. I fucking, seriously, I watched it twice, maybe three times. I paused it after Same. every move because the whole thing, I just felt like I really fucking need to detail this match. I'm actually just trying to find Dave Meltzer's star rating for this match. He's actually winded from all that talking. <laughs> that as well, yeah. Nitro, March 11, 1996. The Steiner Brothers versus Road Warriors. Three and a quarter stars from Dave Meltzer. I'm sorry, but I fucking disagree. In fact, I'm not sorry. I fucking disagree. It's as simple yeah, as that. It's at least four. At least. At least four. Come on. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, just because it happened on a Nitro and not on pay-per-view. Yeah. Just because it happened in America and not in Japan. Go and fuck yourself, Meltzer. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, this was awesome. Go and watch it back. We really enjoyed it. And I have a semi. What a way to come back. What a way to reintroduce yourself to the WCW faithful. Some serious momentum behind them. We don't actually know if they're heel or face. It looks like Hawk and Animal are the heels here. And the Steiners are the face, particularly as it pertains to this promo now. As we're going to Mean Gene in the ring, Scott is on the mic and he says that they've been chasing the Road Warriors everywhere that they go and that the way that they won was a really cheap way to do it. Uh, Rick then says that it isn't the end of this feud thanks to that cheap shot. That is summarising quite a bit. Um, Brian, That you were saying like there's a there's a promo at the end of this. Did you enjoy it? Yes. He fluffs up a couple of lines, but he's actually coherent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part, he is coherent. Um, I didn't write down anything that he said, actually. I just noticed that he he, he tried really hard, and yeah, and for what it was, it was it, you know it was a simple promo. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just looking forward to down the line when he's actually cutting promos on a regular basis, and 
make uh, trying references they can't quite articulate properly. Yeah. Like uh Vinny Vinny Vucci. <laughs> Honestly, I can't fucking wait for that. I'll just but... I'll just add that um, again on eighty three weeks. I think it is they were talking about the Steiners and they were talking about Scott and his. Um, they were actually talking about why Scott Steiner and Eric Bischoff have so much heat, uh, but I won't go into that. He was basically saying that Scott didn't like cutting promos at all. He preferred for Rick Steiner to do it, but Bischoff said the more and more time went on, Scott got more and more confident. Uh, and decided that he wanted to cut promos more, even though the promos were still pretty bad. <laughs> but he just had intensity, and people were just like, it was it was entertaining, even if it was a little bit cocked up. Like, I mean, there, there have been days where I've been down, and I've just put on YouTube and watched a compilation of Scott Steiner's promos. Mm. It, it It's an instant mood booster. It really is. Yep. Because you can't help but laugh at it. I'm pretty sure somewhere down the line, um, if it's on Thunder, I'm going to be devastated, but I'm pretty sure somewhere down the line he's cutting a promo, somebody gives him shit in the crowd and he decides to just literally go and punch him. Um, I'm pretty sure he got arrested for it, but I I, I might be wrong, um, but I'm pretty sure something like that happens, so fucking hell. (laughs) Stick stick with us when it comes to Scott Steiner because it only gets better and better and better. Well, speaking of, I've had, I have been waiting for you to talk about Scott Steiner on this podcast <laughs> ever since the start, because you have a story about him. Lead the way, Mark. I'm just going to sit back with my feet up, beer in hand, and just going to listen. As, uh, obviously, me and Brian have talked about PCW, Preston City Wrestling, quite a few times on this podcast, and... Uh, We've been to a couple each, maybe something like that. Um, the one that I went to, uh, I met Scott Steiner, met Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner's a really nice guy. Uh, they also had a valet with them who <laughs> way more plastic than a Barbie factory. Way, way, way more. I went there with a few friends and one of my friends, Jack, uh, he'll be all right with me telling this story because we had a good laugh about it afterwards. I'd managed to start chatting up this really pretty girl um really really pretty girl she was a she was a wrestling fan uh, i think she was trying to actually break into wrestling uh, part of the wrestling school and jack was actually at the pcw academy so he was already in wrestling school so they got talking they hit it off really well like i'm talking ridiculously well um and like i said i think she was from sweden uh, but i'm not entirely sure she lived over here but she was from sweden and the, the there was that much chemistry between the two of them, they'd been chatting for a few hours. You know, they'd had a beer each, and it, everything was going really well. So I actually turned around to Jack and I said to him, "Look, there's my hotel card. Just go, because there's like a, a big intermission. I think they were filming like two shows. So there was like a two-hour intermission in between these two shows. Uh, and I said, just go, and you know, take care of business, sort of thing. You know what I mean? Because it looks like this is going your way." And you know you might never see this girl ever again. Just just go, man. And Jack is the kind of guy, I'm pretty sure he was like a virgin. Nothing wrong with that. I'm pretty sure he was a virgin at that time. So he was a little bit... A little bit shy. He, he was shy. He was confident in the way that he was talking to her. And they were having a really fucking good time. But I think when it came to sealing the deal, closing. So I don't think he could close 
So I thought I'll just give him a little helping hand, give him give him my hotel card, and that'll help him to close. Because obviously he had nowhere else to go, like nowhere else to sort of do that sort of stuff. So anyway, um, I've given him the hotel card, and uh, he goes back, and she's not there. And we're like, oh, well, okay. And she, maybe she's gone to the toilet, she's gone to the bar, she's gone, whatever, sort of thing. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, right, it's a break now. I'm not coming back the day after because it was a weekender as well. Um, but it was the it was the day after, on the Sunday, that Scott Steiner was going to be doing, doing his meet and greet. He was going to be signing things and all that sort of stuff, but I wasn't going to be there. So I've brought my WCW magazine with Scott Steiner on the front of it. And I'm hoping Scott Steiner is going to be good enough to uh, to sign this for me. Scott Steiner's a little bit hard work. Not going to lie, he's a little bit hard work. I went up to the um, up to the sort of lobby, sort of the foyer where the wrestlers, actually there's like a curtain closed so they can get changed and they can do whatever else they're doing up there. And Scott Steiner is chatting with this blonde Swedish girl that Jack was literally minutes away from taking back to my hotel room. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> so I've, I took a photo of the pair of them I sent it to my other mate, Jack. So there was two Jacks. That's a bit confusing. Um, to show to Jack. And it turns out there's no reception in uh, Evoke. I think it was called Evoke, weren't it? There's no reception in this nightclub. So we don't get it. So I'm there. I'm trying to phone him. I'm trying to fucking text him. I'm trying to do this, that, and the other. Because I don't want to get down into the crowd and fucking have to fight my way there. I finally get through to him. I'm like, Jack, you need to fucking come up here right now. He's like, well, why? I went... Because Scott Stein is about to nail your girlfriend. <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck are you going on about? I'm like, seriously, that girl you were talking to right there, you're about to lose it. Scott Steiner is about to cock block you. I ain't even fucking joking. It was like, nah, 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 it'd be fucking fine and all that sort of stuff. I turned back around. She's gone, but Scott Stein is there getting pumped up. So I, I approached him about my magazine. I want it signing. Um, and he says, the signing's tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to be here tomorrow, Scott. He's like, but the signing's tomorrow. I'm like, Scott, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Uh, I was just wondering if you could just sign it. He's like, but the fucking signing's tomorrow. <laughs> At this point, I'm thinking, dare I ask Scott Steiner for a third time if he's going to sign my magazine because uh, he's a little bit edited. Anyway, he did it. I asked him. He did it. Finally go away. Go to the bar. Have a drink. Blah, blah, blah. All the rest of it. Happy days. Um, fighting my way back through the crowd I'm trying to find my mates and I can't fucking seem to find them I get lost for like half an hour maybe and there's, there's, there's every possibility that the guy Gary that I've talked about previously on this podcast who's doing Gary and Jed's wrestling podcast uh, check that out by the way uh, it's all about AEW I'm pretty sure he was with me as well but I can't 100% remember anyway these guys finally come back after about half an hour and then she comes back at the beginning of this next show literally as we're just starting and she says, you aren't going to believe it. I've just got Scott Steiner's number. And I'm like, oh, no. And he says that he wants to meet me later on. Oh, for fuck's sake. Jack's face just drops. He literally just gives me my hotel card back and just goes, well, that's that. And that's basically <laughs> it. Scott Steiner. No <laughs> Cock blocked by Scott fucking Steiner, and you know you've lost at that point. Yeah, 
I couldn't have done any better. He literally just gave me the hotel key back and he just went, well, that's that. We went to a comedy show straight after. Um, oh, I can't remember who we were doing the comedy show. I think it was Nigel McGuinness. Uh, and it was at the Frog and Bucket in Preston. And it was straight after this wrestling show and we had tickets for it. And um, she disappeared again. And she came back to this fucking wrestling show. But she kept hanging around with Jack, which made me think, maybe he's still got a shot here. Maybe. But she, all she would do is, all, like, after the after the show, they went and banged. It's as simple as that, because she came back and she fucking told us. She went, yeah, and yeah, and he, he fucking, you know, he did this, this, and this, and that, that. And telling Jack this, even though they'd been fucking canoodling and smooching at the beginning of the wrestling show... And she's still going out. She's still with Jack, like, hanging around with him and everything like that. And I'm sort of like, this is fucking weird, man. Like, she's just had Steiner's spunk. But... Oh, what a fall. Oh, no. Because <laughs> you might... Oh, seriously, right? You can imagine that Steiner's fucking little, little tadpoles, his little sperm, all have their own personality they were in the fucking headdress and everything <laughs> and cutting promos on each other about how fucking how what the chances of are of impregnating this woman are and oh god i just don't want to think about that and you've got to put that thought in my head thank yeah, you very much no. that's nightmares for me tonight scott steiner spunk um i was literally fucking a couple of feet away from it literally it was literally all there in in some swedish blondes knickers uh <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> Do but, not eat or drink while I was listening to this podcast. No, there's a reason why it's explicit. Um, but we did go to the comedy show, and Nigel McGuinness, he, he had a few beers. Uh, this was the point that he found out that he had um, hepatitis. Um, they found out that he, he that he had to retire from the ring, essentially, but he was doing so, some sort of like commissioner role in PCW and decided he was going to try his hand at stand-up com- comedy. Um pretty good at it actually it wasn't that bad uh we had a good night i don't know what the fuck happened to the swedish girl she might have fucking 15 scots mini scott steiners running around back in fucking stockholm i don't fucking know but i'm kind of glad that jack didn't go there after the fact it's just unfortunate that jack and i'm sorry if you're listening to this but you should have sealed the deal a lot sooner man you just shut up (laughs) and that's it that's i know that was a long-winded fucking story for you guys but yeah that's um that's my running with Scott Steiner, and that's also how my friend got cop blocked by Scott Steiner. The end. Finn. I've, uh, yeah, I've led a quiet life, but there's been a couple of interesting moments, and it's usually everybody else. Uh, but seriously, to this day, we still have a good fucking laugh about that. I've not seen Jack for. I've spoke. I've, I've texted him a couple of times, maybe over the past few months, but I, I don't think I've seen him for a couple of years. I don't know if he continued with the pcw academy and all the other jack did but i'm not sure this jack did uh he found a girl uh, i think he's like really happy i think he's been with her for a few years and all that sort of stuff they live together blah 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 so fair play to you jack if you're listening uh miss you buddy i hope you're fucking doing well um but just remember oh. scott steiner cop block you and you're never gonna get to fucking live it down <laughs> no but at least it's not jacking off now true true story so um I think we should carry on with this Nitro because yes, it's, we should. it's your boy next against another one of your boys, except it's not one that you like very much. 
And it's for the TV title, so we do need to detail something here as well. Uh, it's Alex Wright versus Lex Luger, who is the current television champion. Alex Wright goes down to the ring, gets onto the top rope, and does this fucking stunning standing top rope backflip, uh, which he actually does like before every match, but for some reason I keep glossing over it. And this time, I saw it. And you can't believe how far off the fucking floor this guy is. Um, I think he's like 6'4 in real life, like legit. So the spring in his legs, he must be like fucking 12 feet in the air. You know, it's unbelievable, the athleticism of this guy. Um, then Luger comes out and does nothing of the sort, which is fucking devastating, really, because if he attempted it, he'd probably break his neck and do us all a favour. I mean, he can barely sell a fucking clothesline, let alone a fucking moonsault or anything, so... The one thing that we can guarantee is when he lands, he'd go, ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, the one thing I did know, actually, was that like, the tag title and the TV title just look identical. I actually thought when he was coming they out, he was did, like... didn't they? I thought he'd nicked Sting's tag team title and he was coming out celebrating them both. I was like, hang on a minute, what the fuck have I missed here? I am the tag team champions! Yeah. Um, it turns out that... He'd actually beat Johnny B. Bad on Saturday night after DDP had interfered and de uh, delivered a diamond cutter to the outside on the floor to Johnny B. Bad. Um, an advert runs for the hotline with some cheesy but amusing segments of Mean Gene and uh, Bobby Heenan trying to get a scoop or three. So there's like Sting in a restaurant saying, oh, buddy, Johnny, I can't tell you this and, and all that. And they're there like sneakily hanging around like fucking voyeurists with microphones. There's a little bit more to go with Johnny B. Bad, but I'll get to it uh, just in a second. Basically, we start off with Luger, who gives some clubs to the back of uh, Alex Wright, but Alex Wright goes straight back with a gorgeous, gorgeous drop kick uh, and then an arm lock. So, uh, do I need to even ask you for a rating for this? It's a nine, isn't it, really? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty consistent. Yeah, there, there's quite a few drop kicks in this, actually, because, um, well, obviously, Alex Wright's really fucking good at them. And uh, just as um, as Alex Wright's got Lex Luger in this arm lock, Bischoff details that Johnny B. Bad's now got an inability to, quote, play with the big boys and that he is now gone from WCW. So there won't be any more Johnny B. Bad versus DDP matches because he's not with the company. Um, in reality, he actually left because he objected to this ongoing angle with Kimberly Page. Why? Part of me wants to say that wasn't his decision. But more mm. sables. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah, of course. Bitches be crazy, man. Into the match, Luger is off the ropes, and there's a huge leap frog from Alex Wright and a shoulder to the gut as he comes back. Uh, there's another beautiful drop kick, head scissors takeover from Wright, which looked great. I mark out for this. I'm not gonna lie, I fucking love it. It's yeah, it's, it's not your typical head scissors takeover. It's the drop kick element, and then just so fucking good. Love it. Um, we get another fucking standing drop kick as well. If you want to rate that one, uh, it were an eight that I put down. An eight, yep. But um, at this point, it's like just you know they're they're one and the same. Yeah, I mean almost. Yeah, I don't think he could do a bad one. No, he can't. He just simply can't. Uh, Alex Wright runs over and gives a top rope splash to Luger, who is outside of the ring. What? Yep, that actually did happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we get back in the ring and right goes up to the top with an axe handle. 
but it's only a two count from the pinfall that resulted in it. The referee is over with Lex asking him if he want if he wants to stop the match, uh, but Alex comes back into the fold, but Lex grabs the trunks and sends him into the corner head first. There's a big knee which sends right out of the ring again. Luger rams right into the into the apron back first on the outside, but back in the ring Lex gets right up for an impressive gorilla press slam. To be fair to him, um, yeah, it was pretty slick, and he held him up there see- enough. Yeah, you can see that Alex did the work in terms of the speed into it, you know, but fair Fox to Luger, he picked him up pretty quickly as well. Yeah. He uh, held him up for a fair bit, yeah. That he, that really emphasises how strong Luger actually is, mm. and if he if he used more power moves in his matches, they'd be a lot more bearable. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um Unfortunately, he doesn't. I think it's almost as if he gets gassed after one. So sad that you you're all looks and can't you know do all the fucking power moves. It'd be much better if you could. He's... He is the jack of the wrestling world. <laughs> he can get in, but he can't seal the deal, mate. <laughs> I am so sorry for your friend Jack. I apologize. I've never met him. Oh, he take it in good jest, mate. Don't worry about it. Um, Luger sends Alex off into the ropes, but Alex jumps to the top rope with ease and spins around to get off a crossbody. Uh, again, when when Alex Wright goes to the top rope, he just it just it's like he's gonna hit the fucking lights with his head. Seriously, he just looks so high up. Um, he tries it again on the other side. He tries to go up to the top rope after a little bit of a run, but he gets caught by Lex this time, who drops him with the snake eyes. Uh, Lex gets really hot headed and shouts not only at the crowd but also. At Lex, uh, at Alex, very loudly. Um, the slaps and there's a choke to Riot as well. Lex sends him into the other corner and screams down the camera, "Did you get that on camera?" Um, he shoots Alex off again to the other corner, but Alex gets the boot up and mounts a comeback with right hands. There's uh, European uppercuts finally sending Luger down as well. Uh, big back elbow, a big back body drop, and a big spin wheel kick sends Luger down but only for a two-count from the resulting pinfall. Massive, beautiful top-rope missile dropkick from Alex Wright, and he goes to, to the top again, as the commentary mentioned. Sting is not here tonight. Uh, what, what's the rating for this one, man? Uh, well, it's a missile dropkick. Uh, I'm going to go out the old spinal tap and give it an 11. <laughs> nice! <laughs> It deserves it. It does deserve it. I can't lie. Um, it just fucking... When we say missile dropkick, not many people actually put emphasis on the missile part of it. But Alex Wright, well, we probably shouldn't talk about missiles when it comes to Germans. Um, but... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, aside from that, it's, it's the kind of missile from a German that I like. Uh <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Apologies to Nazis everywhere. Yeah, fuck them. Um, <laughs> and Jimmy Hart is down now to stop Alex from flying off the top rope. Uh, he kicks Hart off him, but Luger is up and takes advantage as Wright goes for a crossbody by dropping him on the top rope itself, not the turnbuckle, and that'll get him in the win. Luger is screaming at Hart now, saying that he's not supposed to be there as we cut to a break. Um... 
the, right. Uh, the the one thing that I do want to detail from this is that Luger actually, for a change, hasn't got his torture rack on, and I don't know. No. I don't know why. So normally, if he puts a torture rack gone. on, it's usually because he wants to make the other person either look. I, I don't know if he wants to do it, but he's obviously making himself look good. Um, and I kind of believe that Alex Wright didn't go in the torture rack today because I personally want to believe that Alex Wright matched Lex Luger, superseded Lex Luger here. Um, and realistically, you would never, ever think that Alex Wright should be in a torture rack with Lex Luger because of this match. No, absolutely. This was a fine contest. You have to give Luger his due for what work he put into that match, but Wright, for the most part, carried him. Yeah. And it carried him to a very, very good match. Just mm-hmm. absolutely no complaints here. I think the pair of them sold well for each other as well. Um, I think they did a lot of favours for each other. Again, I wasn't expecting a fucking classic here, uh, but I got a lot more out of this than I expected that I would. Um, and props do go to Alex Wright mainly, but a little bit of props as well, like you said, just to, to Lex Luger as well, because he... He gave him a lot. He did. Yeah, he did. Um Good match, uh, good. Not a great match, certainly not. Nothing like oh, the tag very match. Good. Very good, but a good match. Um, unfortunately, now <laughs> you said you said dog shit in the last one. The main event is a six-man dog strap lumberjack match featuring Ric Flair and Anderson. <laughs> dog strap, dog strap. <laughs> it may as fucking well be. Uh, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, woman and Liz are at ringside and we've got the McDonald's man Randy Savage Hulk Hogan and the booty beefcake um, I said McDonald's man because he was dressed in red and yellow again but he had like the big M on the fingers I just all I could see was McDonald's it's all I could see there's nothing I've, I've written I'm loving it dig it <laughs> no I'm digging it that's what I should have said but <laughs> I've got a million things in my head now I didn't write much about this, so we're all right. Uh, Same. Literally, talk about overbooked. The Giant and Loch Ness have already started fighting with each other after Loch Ness missed Hogan with a weapon. Uh, Kimberly comes down again with flowers saying, should I do it this time? Again, all dressed in white. She, she fucking looked like a fucking... Brit- she looked like Britney Spears here um, with the fucking like, train driver hat and all that sort of stuff. I think we're playing for booty to have some booty from Kimberly here. I think that's the direction that we're going, but I'm hoping that I'm swerved, and I'm hoping that she's going to go after... Hmm. I don't know, actually. Who should she go after? Just power up with Flora. May as well. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love... I love. So we're going to talk about anything but the match here, basically. The match is a complete fucking cluster where everybody's just fighting with each other and there's more interesting things happening with the lumberjacks and there is the fucking people in the ring okay that's basically yeah. it um the, the, i mean they're all wearing flannel shirts they are lumberjack shirts yeah, yeah men in a flannel shirt he actually looks like a little uh, literal lumberjack <laughs> and you know you know that guy is not chopping down trees he's fucking ripping them out from the roots yeah <laughs> But my takeaway, I actually put down Stephen Regal, but it's the whole of the Blue Bloods. But I only noticed Stephen Regal at first wearing the flannel shirt with the poet shirts underneath. Yeah, the cravat. Yeah. So you got the the co- Yep, yeah, you got the the uh, 
the collar just popping out yeah. at the top. What a look. That went brilliant. That's the first thing and I put. just typical Stephen Regal. Yeah. Fucking hilarious stuff. So there were three three of the Blue Bloods out and they were all wearing uh, the cravat under the plaid. Um, as you said, I, I actually love the fact that the Lumberjacks were wearing Lumberjack shirts and Meng, uh, <laughs> they cut to the side. And you can actually see Meng like smiling. He's just, he's just like, I had to rewind it and I had a little look and it's like, it's almost as if Meng is fucking pissing himself with laughter. And then they've cut to this camera angle and Meng's finished laughing, but he looks at the camera with a big smile on his face wearing this flannel shirt while everybody's just fucking twatting Hulk Hogan with a fucking belt. Man, I tell you what, that's that's what made this match bearable. That sort of shit happening. The Lumberjacks just fucking made it for me. Um, yeah. From this point onwards, if there's ever a Lumberjack match, and I know that they still do them, I think they did them in WWE not too long ago. Um, oh, they still do them, They yes. should be dressed with Lumberjack shirts on. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Oh man, um, they had yeah they had they had some fun with it and uh, it was way more fun on the outside than it was on the inside. Okay, not for the competitors that were on the inside than being thrown on the outside, um, but it was fun for the people watching. It yeah, I did try and get a comprehensive list of who was on the outside, but I couldn't really get one. But we did notice DDP, Meng, Barbarian, the Blue Bloods, uh, the Road Warriors were out there as well. Um, I, I, I'm sure I saw the Steiners but note the, the one person I actually did look out for and if he was there he was very inconspicuous because I did not spot him fucking Jim Duggan the guy that carries a 4x4 everywhere you'd assume that he's a fucking lumberjack <laughs> yeah that's a fucking good shout actually yeah um... where the fuck was he? Oh, yeah, he had that really long 30-minute five-star classic with fucking Giant earlier tonight. He's incapacitated. He can't work, man. Yeah, it could be. It could be gassed. Uh, yeah, I, I have no I have no fucking idea. Uh, but, yeah, basically that... I'm just going to assume it's probably in the locker room smoking a joint by this point. <laughs> no, it would have made sense. Get down there with the fucking 2 by 4 or something like that in a, in a fucking in played. Uh, why the fuck not? The uh, finish to the match is Hogan going over, pinning Fleur after whipping the shit out of him and delivering a big boot and a leg drop. That's We fucking saw that coming a mile off. And obviously Hogan's going to go over Fleur because it's a big ego trip for him. And the rating for this one was a 3.2 over Rose, 2.9. Ryan, do you want to describe this or shall I? <laughs> I all I want to do is just open up my phone, go find an online thesaurus and find many different nouns to describe this this match because I thought the last one was a steaming pile of dog shit that you step foot in and spend 15 minutes trying to scrape it off the bottom of your foot <sighs> I suppose this is like deciding to go to the leisure centre go for a swim but instead of diving into water, you're just diving in, into a pool of steaming dog shit. That's a fair assessment, if you ask me. They, the match is rescued by the Lumberjacks and the entertaining aspects on the outside of the ring. Inside of the ring, you don't even need to watch it once to know this is the same fucking main event from last week. And we didn't care last week. So what makes you fucking think would occur this week? What, because there's a fucking... A fucking strap involved? Get a fucking grip. 
Yeah. Absolute rubbish. Um, rescue. The entire show is rescued by what happened earlier on in the card, particularly the Brian Pillman segment and the tag match, especially the tag match. Uh, but this main event, again, is just letting the whole thing down. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say, to be honest. I'm gonna de- I'm gonna detail the dark matches from Nitro. I've done it at the end, which I shouldn't have done. I should have done it at the beginning, but uh, I only realised like last minute. Diamond Dallas Page defeated Joey Mags. Um, Meng defeated Dave Sullivan, and Conan, who is the United States champion and the Mexican champion, defeated Earl Robert Eaton to retain the United States Championship. Why that's in a dark match, I don't fucking know. And why it's Earl Robert Eaton getting the title shot, I don't fucking know. Uh, but yeah, that's basically it. Also, I do recall Conan being one of the lumberjacks as well because he was wearing bright pink fucking trunks. Um, the raw results was, yes. were um, a dark match where Skip defeated, you might have heard of this guy, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Whoa. Ahmed Johnson and Jake the State Roberts defeated Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. Uh, Sean Michaels defeated Hunter, Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Uh, Bret Hart, who is the WWF champion, Defeated The Undertaker by Countout. And that was on a dark match. Um, now the non-dark matches, the TV matches. Savio Vegas fought the ringmaster, a.k.a. Steve Austin with Ted DiBiase, to a double countout. Henry Godwin and Phineas Godwin with Hillbilly Jim defeated Jerry Mead and Alex Porto. Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeated Vin Greer. And The Undertaker with Paul Berry defeated... Sorry... The Undertaker with Paul Burry and Yokozuna defeated Owen Hart and Davy Boy Smith by disqualification. Whew, that's a fucking stack night out in fucking WWE Raw territory. Holy hell. Aye. Got some big names there. Dwayne Johnson, Ahmed Johnson, Jake Snake Roberts, Owen Hart, The British Bulldog, Shawn Michaels, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Bret Hart, The Undertaker, Yokozuna. Whew, whoever went to that, you're fucking lucky, man, I tell you. Can we just go and watch that instead? <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> the dark matches sound like they sound better than the fucking main card. Yeah, they do. To be fair, I mean Triple H faced Shawn Michaels, but on TV he faced, he faced against Vin Greer. Uh, I have no idea who that is. I haven't either. And to be fair, these matches don't last long. Um, Godwins versus Mead and Porto lasted one minute fifty-two. Triple H on one one minute fifty three, Taker and Yokozuna, Owen Hart and David Boy uh, five nineteen, which ain't too bad I suppose. And I'm gonna presume that because it was via disqualification that Bret Hart interfered in that because it's Owen Hart and David Boy uh, and Bret Hart and the Undertaker are having a feud at this moment in time. But to see Skip going over Dwayne Johnson, man, fucking hell, we are in 1996, aren't we? Yeah, we are. As we detailed earlier on, Hall and Nash have given their. 90-day notice to Vince McMahon and saying that they are going to jump to the WCW. I hate calling it the WCW. They're going to jump to WCW, which means whilst we are 90 days away, it's only what 10 Nitros. It's not long, really, in the grand scheme of things. And we are covering, as always, the hour-long episodes. Uh, we're covering two of them in each Nitrogen podcast, so we're going to be there in no time, and that's when things are about to pick up. You know what I'm saying? What I will say is on the next episode of the Nitrogen podcast, we do have a big surprise uh, coming your way, and it's not from us, it's from the Nitro. 
So we do know that Hulk Hogan is going to appear at some point because he, you know, it fucking the whole thing centered around Hulk Hogan. But we do have some intriguing incidents happening that are going to get the world talking again about quite a few people. So stick with us on the Nitrogen Podcast because we're going to dissect, we're going to diversify, and we are going to die, probably, if we see the six-man tag team again in the main event. But we're hoping that that won't happen. As always, you can find us on all the usual social media channels. You know, I never wrote this down, but I always say the same thing at the end of the podcast and it always sounds the same. (laughs) I've not written this down at all. I just say it off the top of my head. Um... At Nitrogencast is where you've got to search for us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. We're on Reddit as well. If you'd like to hit us up there. And But we do. Uh, we appreciate you guys' feedback as always, and we'd love for you to share and like. That's it from uh, the Nitrogen Podcast boys here. It's Marvelous Mark Ashworth at HE6RT6GR6M on Twitter. And, of course, my wonderful pal over there, Brian Das Acton Kid Brashaw, and that's at Das Acton Kid on Twitter give us a follow give us some feedback just come and come and chat to us man we're always here uh, and we'll see you again for another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast check the like fantastic oh yeah